to the U.S. Fire Journal Podcast. We offer views and opinions on the fire service around the world with no topic too tough to handle. Visit us at usfirejournal.com for all your fire service information. Now, here's your host, Jay. Good morning and welcome into the podcast. I am Jay, as was stated earlier. Today is Tuesday. It is September the 14th. It's 2021. And I want to jump right into a couple of subjects that I ended last week uh, uh, sort of uh, saying, hey, we're going to cover this. And I, I want to start on employment. You know, when when people try to get jobs in the fire service, um, whether it's for firefighter, officer, on up, whatever, um, there are rules and regulations, there are laws that dictate uh, how these are, are supposed to be handled. And oftentimes the, the Justice Department gets involved and labor and all this other stuff, right? Um, there are rules. And one of the rules, um, and, and really one of the things that, that kills morale in a fire department, is the writing of a job description that only fits one person. Right. This is a standard tactic now in small provincial little towns where they don't, you know, they, they think that stuff's normal and they'll always be protected. But in fact, over the long history of of labor in the United States, um, this practice has come to be, uh, you know, hated uh, by all involved. Um, and actually, it's the quickest way to get. Uh, people on your back um, to have the city investigated or town investigated, county, whatever the case may be. So what does it what does it mean? Well, look, there are lots of people out there who are trying to apply for jobs. And people like to treat the fire service as if it's the old family business, right? I get to hire who I want, when I want, and by and large, unless uh, citizens or, or a city or town says, you know what, we're not, we're not doing well. That's pretty much how it's been. But when you start tailoring jobs to uh, focus on one person to the exclusion of others, exclusion of people who are perhaps have more experience, uh, better credentials, all sorts of things, um, you better keep it very close to the vest. You know, you have to. Once things leak out, once someone gets upset at someone else for some perceived slight or whatever, oftentimes those people will turn. And I got to be honest with you, lying in a deposition is the worst thing you can do. And thankfully, most people don't do it. They go, it's not worth it. And so, you know, when you hire someone from the outside, promote from within, whatever, but when you hire them from the outside, if you have your eyes on one person and one person only, right? And it happens, right? Um, The best thing you can do is just hire that person directly and hope that you're not going to get in trouble because by following or by creating a scenario where you try to convince people that you followed all of the guidelines, you've set yourself up in a big way. 
And lots of times people say, well, you know what? I got away with it because nothing's happened. That's because, let's be blunt, investigations take time. It's rare that something blows up immediately. It does happen, but it's still fairly rare. So what's the best thing to do if you're a fire, fire chief or hiring authority, whatever the case may be, sitting in on interviews? The best thing you can do is pick the best person. The best person, the most qualified, will always rise to the top. There's no need to artificially pump them up. If you have to resort to that, it's not the right person. Typically, and, and we know this, this is true, people who are good at what they do, they typically, they're going to float to the top. It's, it's, and I say float, they're going to swim to the top because they're always working. Anytime you start having to, well, you know what, let's shave a year off of this experience thing and add something over here that this guy has. I'm telling you what you're doing, you're setting yourself, your town, your city, your county, state, whatever the case may be, you're setting them up. And this is what I would say to firefighters. Ask yourself this. If the person's that good at what they do, why do they have to do that to get the person into a position? And it's easy enough to say, well, we ended up with the right person. What happens next time when it's you up for that job? And they pick the right person who doesn't have your quali- who doesn't have the qualifications that you have. It gets very ugly. And this happens. It does. It happens. And uh, I was talking yesterday afternoon with a, uh, a big, big city reporter, actually, who is looking into this, uh, in, into a case of this, and is thinking about. Uh, well, yeah, I'm not thinking about researching a story on it. And it's interesting um, how much this goes on, not just in the fire service, but certainly it has, it seemed to have grown uh, in the fire service where people are so desperate to, to get somebody into a particular job that agrees with them on everything that they end up ruining their lives. And not to mention the people who were actually qualified for the job never got an interview, or got an interview, but the whole time, and this is where you get into conspiracy, the whole time, those people, they were counted out. They never had an opportunity. I'm a big believer. I have no problem with everybody running the race. Everybody should be able to run the race. But you shouldn't be guaranteed a position. That's a fact. You're either good at it or you're not. And... It gets, this does get ugly. I mean, it does. I've seen it often, and uh, I can't imagine that these cases that are going to pop up now, they're not going to end well for the people who were involved. Of course, those people think they're untouchable. Many times it's their ego that's overloading. And uh, I know firefighters and everyone else, they kind of sit back and watch it for it all to implode, and it will. That's how it happens. Another thing that I mentioned is offering or promising jobs to people. People want to get in the fire service. They want to get on good departments. Some of them want to get on bad departments so they can do a little bit of time and get on a good department. Whatever the case may be, and you have people, a fire chief in this example, who goes around and has told people all over the place, yep, you're next, you're getting hired, you're getting hired, you're getting hired. Now, 
we might think of that as a throwaway comment. Those people don't. And when enough of those people get together and start talking to each other, then guess what? That fire chief has screwed the pooch. Just has. Same thing goes with assistant chiefs, deputy chiefs, battalion, district, whatever your nomenclature is. You can't do that kind of stuff. And it's a lesson for every perspective perspective or company officer or chief level officer. Encourage people to apply. Absolutely. They're good people. You want them on your department. Do it. Do it. Encourage them to apply. Don't promise them anything. Don't even hint at a promise. That way, it never comes back and bites someone in the rear end, as it doesn't always do, but it's going to happen enough to where it's not worth it. It just isn't. So don't promise those jobs. Um, Tell them about the opportunities. Tell them to apply. You know, if it's a volunteer department, tell them to come down, attend a meeting, however you do that. Um, if it's, it's, if it's a paid department, don't tell people, oh yeah, come down, apply. I'll guarantee you're getting a job because if it doesn't happen, guess what? They're gone. And it creates a whole situation that could have been avoided if only a so-called leader could keep their mouth shut and quit poking their chest out and saying, look at me, I can do these things. So it, it does, it gets ugly. And typically the end result is ugly as most of us know. Another thing that I wanted to touch on, and I'm going to keep you updated on those things. I, I think these investigative, this investigative piece is going to be interesting, but I don't think it's, it won't be out probably for, for four to eight weeks, um, somewhere in that time frame. It depends on what other stories pop up and all those things, but I will keep everyone posted on that. I think it's going to be very interesting. Also, uh, sometimes the city officials, town officials, county, whatever, they don't know what's going on. And that's genuine. You know, the, the, the people in charge, they're not aware that this is going on in a fire department and things like that. And so they genuinely are caught off guard. And uh, then they have to make tough decisions and, you know, people set themselves up for it. That's the way that goes. One of the things that... Uh, I find interesting is leaders who aren't in leadership positions. And there are people who are good leaders precisely because they uh, care about the people that they work with. And when I say care, I'm not talking about, you know, falling in love with someone. I'm talking about caring about that person because that person works with you. That person might be the one who has to save you uh, later today. In an hour, you could be out with that person searching a room uh, where a child is or elderly person or anyone else. You want to know that they know what they're doing. And so that leadership, that leadership from the, from the back step, as it were, is about knowing the job, being the example. You know, don't, don't talk about the example. Be the example. A lot of young firefighters, they have a hard time with that. They want the uniform. They want to be known as a firefighter. They don't mind going on most calls, but they don't want to be the example because, frankly, they're lost. And, and it happens. 
At some point, most young firefighters get lost, either in their own heads, which happens quite a bit. They simply can't get the material, whatever the case may be. But if you want to be good at what you do, be the example. You know, if you talk about training and you want somebody to train and you want them to learn, you want them to be educated, you have to do the same thing. Otherwise, they see you after a while for what you are. You just, you know, you talk. Um, So being that leader, especially if you're in a department that is not blessed with good leaders or you're in a battalion that's not or even in your own company, um, very often uh, the leadership is from the back step. There are guys who want to make rank so bad. They're so hungry for rank that they never realize that people don't respect them. And people don't respect them because they can see that desperation in them to have some sort of legitimacy conferred upon them through the issuance of a, of a gold badge or, or a, a label on a helmet. You know what I mean? And those people can't ever get it. They can't get it through their heads that the way you gain respect is, number one, you have to respect others. Number two, know the job. Number three, be the example. And those people who don't do that, they're shocked oftentimes. They're shocked when people won't come to them, when people just sort of go, eh, I need to stay away from that person. Rank is something that can be conferred upon you by a test or, or whatever the case may be. Respect is conferred upon you based on your ability, based on your willingness to help others, based also on your unwillingness to tap your chest all the time and say, yeah, but I'm in charge, or yeah, but look at me. Everybody sees through that. Let me back up. Most people see through that, not everyone, or it wouldn't be going on. And so it's important then that, you know, that that type of of leadership from the back step, um, that it happens in a genuine manner. You know, if you care about firefighters if you care about your job that's coming through each and every day people may not like you that's always a i mean let's face it and i'm a big person about it if someone doesn't like you that's their problem but they can still respect you there are people that all of us you know we're all we don't like everyone but you might respect the job the person does um But typically, it's very difficult to respect someone who doesn't know what they're doing as a firefighter. I'm not saying it's never happened, but it's very rare. And uh, people always want to start over. And hey, that's what we are. We give people second, third, fourth, fifth chances. It's what we do. It's really the United States. And we're all about giving people second and even more chances. But ultimately, the people who are so hell-bent on getting promoted that they're willing to go around and hurt other people in order to, they feel like, hey, it's justified. I need to get mine. Well, they're going to get theirs, and it's typically going to happen after they're promoted. And they will fail. They will. They are going to fail. Um, Unfortunately, that failure, when it happens, it ends up harming other people and uh, harming other people's careers. But it's why not everybody's cut out for it. They're not. Just because someone hangs around long enough or just because... And and this is something else, too. And I I listened to a podcast uh, 
excuse me, it wasn't a podcast, it was on YouTube. I listened to a veteran, well, he's retired now, but a veteran fire officer talk about um, people who uh, are dangerous, you know? And, and we see it in the military, too. In the military, if you get somebody who's dangerous to the people around them, they get bounced. Uh, that's what happens. It happens less so in the fire service because we think, well, you know, got to look out for my brother and my sister, and we do. And part of looking out is making sure that person can't harm anyone. That's a big part of looking out. And uh, it's the part nobody or very few people like to talk about, but it's a legitimately important part. Absolutely legitimate. Uh, let's get into some news. Um, Houston Fire Department, uh, the mayor of Houston, um, apparently he, he put up a tweet or something where he was talking about a Houston firefighter who had, I think, died from COVID. Um, and then he got hit for it because he didn't use the firefighter's name. And, you know, people want to know that they're more than, than a position or, or more than just a badge number. Uh, people want to know that the leaders out there, leadership, uh, understand the sacrifices. Of course, in Houston, um, the current administration doesn't seem to give a swallow about firefighters there. And uh, uh, the mayor, and look, it's a big competition. It is. It's a big competition to be the worst mayor in America. You know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, the field keeps expanding because there's so many bad mayors. You know, you, Chicago, uh, I, I believe it was 62 or 64 people shot over the weekend. Yeah, that mayor, horrific, just horrible mayor. Um, New York's mayor is legitimately terrible. Houston's mayor, legitimately terrible. The job there uh, just seems to not care about firefighters. Um, and that's unfortunate. Um, fortunately, citizens of Houston, they have a great fire department. Chicago, great fire department. FDNY, great fire department. Um, but at, at some point, the horrible leadership takes its toll. And uh, it's certainly taken its toll in, in Chicago. It's certainly taken its toll in Houston. Um, you know, another one, too, in Salisbury, North Carolina, where firefighters are uh, trying very hard uh, to get their salaries raised. Uh, and when you look at the numbers, uh, the numbers are appalling. And, you know, it's... It, but it also it points out something else, too. There are departments, there are cities and counties who think, you know what? If we pay our firefighters well, we don't have to worry about anything else. Everybody needs the best wage they can get as a firefighter. It takes a lot of worry off when it comes to your family, things of that nature. At the same time, money's not the only thing. It might be the only thing that attracts people. But... There's much more to it than just the salary, and we're going to get into that at departments who, you know, I know a department right now that is likely to lose 35 or 40 percent of their entire department, not based on salary, but based on poor leadership, and that's going to suck. <laughs> it really is. It's going to suck for citizens, but especially going to be bad for the people in charge when they have to explain it. And not everybody walks away from a job and saying, you know what, yeah, we're all good. That doesn't happen 
all the time. So it's something to keep in mind. Finally, I want to talk about Myrtle Beach. Myrtle Beach, uh, uh, the professional firefighters and the Professional Firefighters Association of South Carolina, um, they uh, have come out in Myrtle Beach. They are uh, cutting the insurance plan for retirees, and that includes retired firefighters. And, um, you know, it's one of those things that happens when a city promises something. And then later on, um, they go back on it. And it does happen. It it happens. Um, It doesn't make it palatable. And it certainly doesn't make it right. And you would think that that cities would learn this lesson that, you know, don't overpromise. But they do. Why? Because they want votes. It's why firefighters are loved during every election. You get past that election. And it's, you know, back in the sock drawer. And uh, uh, in this case, you have people who work their lives uh, to, uh, you know, serve the citizens of Myrtle Beach. And now, well, you know, they've forgotten. And uh, Myrtle Beach uh, professional firefighters, this is a statement. uh, They said, we have not forgotten the physical and emotional sacrifices of the retired men and women of the Myrtle Beach Fire Department. The Myrtle Beach city government has sadly forgotten, end quote. There'll be more on that as, as we move forward doing, uh, during the week. That's going to do it for today. Until tomorrow, stay safe.